There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmac Cross Credit Union, where a student loan can help you finance your further education. Call to Cartmac Cross Credit Union on Neil Street or at cartmaccrosscu.ie. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get lowest can be APR, zero deposit required and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. Yes, you're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. And it's straight to business today because I know there are loads and loads of people out there waiting for my first guest. Yes, Tempest Fusion, it's hard to believe that 30 years have passed since Dominic Kerwin hit the big time signing with Ritz Records and releasing his first album called Try A Little Kindness. Many albums later, countless tours at home and abroad and a huge loyal following have marked what's been a stellar career in the music business. And to celebrate his success over three decades, Dominic has released a special album appropriately named Time of My Life. And I'm delighted to say, here he is, he's sitting in front of me in studio. Dominic, you're so welcome. It's lovely to be with you, Jerry. Nice to be with you here today. Thanks for joining us. You know what I was thinking? I say Tempest Fugit there, but really has it. Have you been able to, you know, live in the moment through those 30 years? Uh, you'd like to think that, that that you've been able to do it, you know, but looking back at it, probably not, you know, really, because when I think of 30 years, it really does seem like yesterday when I first sat down with Mick Clerk and of Ritz Records and had a conversation with them and he offered me the record contract and, and then all the tours and, and the things that I've done ever since, when you look back at them, they are like but a flash in the, in the, in the pan. You know? So I suppose... When at the time you may think you're in it, but looking back at it, I don't really think you live in the moment all the time. No, you did play and perform, of course, before you signed for it. Oh, yeah, I mean, I was working on a local scene. In fact, would you believe it, not that far away from here was where a bit of my success came from, really, because you had in the old radio days, you know, the pirate radio station, there was a station in Monaghan called Big M. And uh, I won a talent competition that got me a minor recording contract. That got me, uh, I suppose, to the, the the end of the those days when the pirate radio stations were there. Got me airplay and uh, got the name out there. Really, and I suppose it got me to the to to the years of McClurk eventually. But that signing and that album was the break that sent you on your way. What about that first big tour with the wonderful Philomena Begley? That put you um, in in the to the forefront as well, didn't it? Well, it, it was uh, it was September of '89 when I actually toured with Philomena. It was January when I got the, the actual record contract. Mm. Uh, but we went out on the t- tour with Philomena. I, I don't think I could have had a better start. 
Uh, you know, looking back at it, and obviously we've remained friends over the years, but uh, an amazing woman in herself. Uh, it was amazing to watch her work with her audiences in those days as well. I mean, she had, she had and has, has still to this day, a big following, you know. But uh, for a young artist going out on the road to work in that country scene, to break into the theatre world, which was different for me as well, uh, I don't think I could have had anybody better than Philomena. Um, she taught us a lot. Probably taught us things that we shouldn't know. <laughs> He's not going to talk about it. Look, it's only after half one in the afternoon. I know we'll we'll, we'll leave that to it. It's midday radio. Really, we're talking about here. <laughs> Tell me this: Were you always busy? Have you always been busy? Has the work come? Well, the work came. I mean, I got that record contract, and um, I, I then toured with Philomena Begley. It wasn't that long after that that I started then to tour with some international acts. I mean, I, I, in 1990, I toured with Charlie Pride for five weeks throughout the UK. And again, that brought me to even bigger arenas as well. And um, it sort of opened up a market for me into the UK market and to further afield then. And of course, with the machine that Ritz Records were at the time, uh, they had Daniel O'Donnell, as we know. Daniel was the first uh, major yeah. recording that they had. So I was the next male recording artist that came after him. Um, for a lot of reasons, I suppose, Jerry. Um, and sometimes it's a hard one to, to, to get your head around but uh, a lot of people started to compare me with Daniel that I was the next uh, or the record company had a had a, a certain style of what sort of artist they were looking for but I was completely different so I think when it, it took a little bit of time for to get through that side of it but once that happened you know the, the doors did open and I became a very busy artist And you're on the road and you're travelling and you're touring within the country here yeah. in the UK abroad and you have four sons and a daughter you have a young family as yeah. well is that tough? Well, I mean, they've all grown up in the business. Yes. Uh, there's a couple of them in the music industry mm. now uh, for themselves. Uh, again, it's like when you ask that question about living in the moment, you, um, it didn't seem to be, you know, but, you know, I was lucky enough that uh, they, they, they grew with it. And then at a very early age, the boys would have come out on the road with me as well, and I would have took them. Um, I They didn't, they got to the stage in their teenage years when when they started to travel with the with the road crew or with the band. They didn't travel with me, you know. So they learned... <laughs> was they it learned, not cool, Dominic? They, oh, they learned the road very, very quickly, I promise you. <laughs> it's interesting you talk about them because you have the boys and the girl as well. Mm. And all of them, bar one, have a music association or yeah. involved with the business. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. And my oldest boy, he he um, he's the only one with a job. You know, he genuinely <laughs> has, he he gets he gets a wage packet. You Is know? that what you say? Yeah. He he can actually show you his salary at the end of the year. You know, anybody in the music industry can't really do that as such. So uh, yeah, he he got a job and he works with a, a computer companies and. To be honest with you, I never really, really got the terms of what he actually does, you know, but it's program analyst or something, yes. you know. Uh, yeah, the rest of them all, Colm, uh, he's out in America. He's He lives in Nashville. He's a singer-songwriter working out there. Um, Barry's on the road. We do a lot of work together. In fact, Barry and I will be in Carrick Macross now on Sunday night as part of the festival. Uh, and then uh, my youngest son, he he's a singer-songwriter, but he's more, we'll call it indie rock. Uh, based in Glasgow with a band over there and they're doing a lot of new original material. Some nice nice songs, uh, nice, nice stuff they're writing. They're a band called False Friends. And then my daughter, she went to, she went to university. She got herself a, a, a degree in business with music, whatever that means. you know. But it's not as an artist, obviously. It's to do with yes. the A&R side or yeah. record side or working with artists, that type of thing. Mm. You know. So. Does that please you, that 
so many of them have followed you, you know, followed in your well, footsteps. Well, I never really think too much about it. I mean, they fell into that bracket. I mean, they've been warned well enough that, you know, be careful here because the mm. business isn't as lookers as you think it is. And we all have to have that bit of luck as well, Jerry. You know, I think you have to... Yeah, you can have your talent and people can like you for what you have, but, you know, you need something to work for you as well. And, and in my case, it did work for me. I've seen the industry, of course, change immensely over the years. Mm. So I do find it a little bit more difficult today. And I would so I, even to young people listening in, I would say, be careful, you know, get your education, work with it, play with it. And then if you get those lucky breaks, then, then at least you're prepared or, or at least you might have something to fall back on if it doesn't work for you. Isn't that though a fact, uh, Dominic, today that the X factor and you know, that got talent shows and all this type of thing have, you know, fostered a culture that fame is easy and, yeah. uh, you know, you're going to get there. Yeah. It's not like that, is it? Really? No, it's not like that at all. Um, you know, they talk about overnight success and they talk about artists that, uh, you know, became overnight success because they had one song and there they are, they're in front of you. But if you really do your homework, you'll find a lot of these acts might have been on the road 10 or 12, 15 years, uh, working the local clubs and seeing... Uh, and then they get that break and then all of a sudden they're there. Uh, and I think a lot of the big, big stars have a lot of those stories to tell. So, yeah, the likes of your X Factors, um, when you, all these particular talent type shows, they're wonderful to watch. And you do get talent that comes through. And mm. There is no doubt about it. But a lot of them get about a 10 week spell of fame. That's a very difficult thing to work with if you haven't got success at the end of that because you really are left in the open and you think, where do I go from here? Mm. And unless you've got a thick skin, I can tell you, that can cause a lot of problems. I think that's wonderful advice. Your education is uh, never a heavy burden to carry never. with anybody in never. life and you always have it for the fallback. I was also lucky as well. When I, I mean, I left school at 16 years of age. I think the, the business was completely different. There was a lot more of it going on. Um, it's a lot more streamlined now by record companies and by by PR companies and advertising agencies, you know. Um, and in a lot of cases, unless that machine's behind you, believe you me, it's a hard, hard game to do. So you've got to be very careful. That's where education is important. Mm. At least you can have a go at it. Um, and then if you feel it's not working for you, you can fall back in your education and move ahead then. You touched on something else there, and I was thinking about it before you came here today, the industry in 30 years and how it's changed mm. from you started out to today. And, and a couple of sort of headlines came to my mind. First of all, the digital aspect of music, but yet the country people seem to hang on with the CDs, Dominic. Well, they do, and I think I think a lot more people would do as well if the powers that be would just just release it a, bit, a little bit more. You know, they're pushing people into a place with the digital market, and I know that the younger generation are coming along. I mean, I'm young enough to remember computers coming in, and so I've grown with it as well. Um, and, and it doesn't scare me as such what way it's going. What I do find is that the the, the personal touch of, I suppose, when you look back at people who bought their albums first of all, the LPs. Now they're coming back. But they're coming back in the pop world as such, the younger generation again. And it's nice to see that it is um, the, the the local corner record shop where you walked into and you bought your record. That was great. That was an industry in itself. That was keeping people employed. You know, but then the big machine comes in, like the big supermarkets or the big, you know, you walk into these these uh, estates now of of uh, shopping centers and whatever, uh, you know, they they they. they they, they closed down that small main street market shop and, and they put people out of business as such. And yet it was the, the, that one-to-one thing where the artists could get their product into the local shop and people would buy it in the local shop and they would support the local economy. 
Um, that's changed in many, many ways. But look, the big, the big lads are, are suffering as well. Mm. Uh, they've seen it, you know, mm. they've cut their own throat, really. And I, I found that down through the years as well, you know, walking into some of the big shops, I'm not going to name any of them, I'm sure they know who they are, but, you know, you go walk up to somebody at the desk and you ask for a certain product, and they did say it's not here or whatever, and then you say, "But it should be here." So then they go and check, and then they find it on a, and a you know they didn't know their product. Mm. Whereas you walk into the local shop, he or she knew everything that came through that door, and they could tell you about the artist and what was coming and what mm. when the new album coming, and you can get it on certain you know. So it's changed in many ways, and I think they've cut the throat in many many you know for everybody and for the artists as well. We have one independent shop left yeah. in Louth and me. There, you're very lucky. One in my hometown of Oma. There's a small record shop as well and very very much so yeah you'll get a bit of the pop stuff in it but this lady she she tends to very much stay with the Irish market and look she's opened the doors a few years ago and she's still open mm. and it goes to prove that the people are still there to buy the product well I want to tell our listeners today don't worry we have the CDs we have this man's CD to give away Dominic Kerwin time in my life celebrating 30 years and let's hear from it let's hear a track from the wonderful album but before we do here's the question today okay we're on Facebook Live Dominic you better give them a wave there they're all Hi watching everyone. Now as well. to all your fans I hope you're getting plenty of clicks over there <laughs> keep clicking for Dominic anyway here's the question for the album we have a number of copies to give away from what town in County Tyrone does Mr Dominic Kerwin hail now come on if you can't get that I don't know what to say answers to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text as soon as you can with your name and details. Dominic, introduce it. We're going to hear the... Well, you're going to hear the, t- the title track and the album's called Time of, uh, Time of My Life, but the song's called Time of Your Life. Let's hear it. Another turn point of thoughts that in the road Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go. So make the best of this test and don't ask why. It's not a question, but I'll answer learning time. It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right. I hope you had the time of your life. Take the photographs and still frames in your mind Hang them on a shelf in good health and good time Tattoos and memories and deaths in on trial For what it's worth, it was worth it all the while It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life Directs you where to go 
So make the best of this test and don't ask why. It's not a question, but a lesson learned in time. It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right. I hope you have the time. Yes, that's Mr. Dominic Kerwin there from his new album, Time of My Life, and the song Time of My Life. Will you please, Dominic, say hello to Doreen Fagan? She's your biggest fan in the world. <laughs> hello, Doreen. How are you doing? Um, good and well, good and all you're listening in. She's listening. She has all your DVDs, your CDs. She was at the Lord Mayor. You did the Lord Mayor show in Drogheda one year. I did indeed, yes. yes. Uh, what year? I, I do not know. He can't recall. Well, I, I'm hoping that Doreen remembers because she was there. Come on, Doreen. You must have the year. Listen to this. We want to wish Dominic all the very best in his 30 years in the business keep up the great work from Shauna and Margaret Ward in RG listening Thank this afternoon uh, yeah. Carol O'Dowd in Australia I've just got a message to say she loves you Thank you very so much she is, and I, she'll be thrilled you're on the airwaves here Hiya today. Carl um, <laughs> good to know that you're listening down under Yes yeah. and Vera's been on as well Vera's a great fan of your great fan of yours as well wants to say hello to you Thank and you. so on and so on they come in we have albums to give away they're pouring in the messages to us would you like to win a special album yes the question is what town and counties are owned does this great man hail from 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text more chat and songs from Dominic after the break just tuned in to you Jerry, and that does sound like Dominic it is him isn't it I spent a week in Alaska with him and other artists says Theresa McConnell Alaska yeah we were in Alaska two weeks ago yeah, we were out there uh, cruising. We had the, the whole squad of us were there. God, if, God of anything had it happened to ship. The Irish music industry was beat. We had Daniel O'Donnell on it. We had Nathan Carter on it. We had Michael English on it. We had Jimmy Buckley on it. And many other acts as well. So. The whole thing could have been sung. Actually, That's the whole thing could have went. I was in Alaska once fishing. I, I'm a mad angler and right. I absolutely loved it. And I hope to go back someday. Let me just ask you, continuing on, on uh, the question we left hanging there about the changes in 30 years. What about the audience? Uh, you know, you have the country music aficionados is there a new generation well you know it's i suppose it's like everything else and you get a quick influxes of interest and i do remember when i started back and obviously i'm very friendly with daniel o'donnell and daniel was the first major recording artist to ritz records in my time i came along after that so we were very much running in par and par and doing different things but at the same time we worked out of the same office so you could see where your audience were um, the industry then moved along and different artists acts come on the scene and they build up a little bit of rapport and then you might see a drop in the industry but then a few years back we had the likes of Nathan Carter came along we had the yeah. likes of um, uh, Derek Ryan and a few other acts like that Mike Denver's out there as well and all of a sudden there was a real boom again and, and the younger generation started to run to it and come to it and, and everything was great for a while but then you see that sort of taper off again because it, and it's no disrespect to younger generation, but it's like they have other things to do. They, you know, they, they get their interest and maybe someone go to college, someone get married young, whatever. Life changes. So you see that fall back again and then it falls back into this. So the music industry, although people say it's booming, I would say there's an interest in it, but it wouldn't be booming as much as they say it is. And I'm very honest about that and I'm very adamant about that. I don't like to 
to to to bum it up to the extent that it, it is absolutely flying. It's a hard industry. It is a hard industry. Um, if you're successful in it and you have a good loyal following, which thankfully after 30 years, I still have that. I have a son in the business, Barry, that I work along with. He's talented like many other young artists, but at the same time, as he well knows, just because his dad's in it, it doesn't mean he's going to be successful. He's got to break his market down too. He's got to build up his own industry. And, uh, and he's doing that and doing it very, very well. But at the same time, I see where the difficulties are. So um, there is a market for it. But it's tight. It's not what it used to be 30 years ago. There are not as many venues, and the venues are a little bit more difficult to run. Um, and then there's that thing again, when you become the successful act, the crowds follow the crowds. You know. So for other young acts trying to get on that market, it's very difficult. You're, everybody's looking for that one song that'll stick with them, that'll maybe build up their own audience. You know. I'm just looking at your uh, time ahead, and I want to remind people, you are in Carrickmacross for the big weekend, the festival happening, the, happening there. You're there on Sunday. You're also in the Ardboyne Hotel in Navin on July the 1st, at the Lunasa Festival in Kells on August the 2nd. And one thing I just wanted to ask you quickly before we finished up, you with Paul Claffey, the famous Paul Paul Claffey, on the tour in Cadiz in Spain shortly. Haven't those events become huge? Well, this is another aspect. The cha- when you talk about the business changing, the cha- it's changed in many ways because you get the big, like we're there, there's a fortnight of entertainment going on there. Now, I am part of it for over a week, but I won't be there for the whole fortnight. Uh, then there's the likes of the Portugals. And I mean, Robert Mazel's out in Spain at the moment. Or I think he's just about to finish. Then there's the Paul Claffey's. Um, then, of course, Nathan does one at the end of October. Uh, Paul's back in Portugal again in October. Declan Nerny's there in the Hooli in September. And the people love that. Mm. There is no doubt about mm. that. But I do believe it has damaged the business as well because they get an opportunity to go away for a week and maybe see 10 acts, whereas... You know, this, the one act trying to work locally yes. is getting killed in the corner. And I, I have to speak honestly because I do believe it's changed the business in many ways. So you have to be looking at the market in so many different ways. Uh, and, you know, it's positive and it's positive for the acts that are running these weekends. But there also has that bit of negativity yes. as well where it's damaging in another corner as mm. well. So... Um, but you know that's the business. You must you, you you get on that you get on that roundabout and you and you go round it and you and if you need to be on it if you want if you want to be part of it. Absolutely. You know? Well, you've been on it for thirty years, and my oh my, what a time you've had! You've done it all, or have you? I don't think I don't think I've ever done it all. I think <laughs> never, more, never. I think done there's me. more to do. There's <laughs> of course, there do. is. I just wanted to throw that in at the no, end no. to give you that little G. Who needs I'm, it? this I'm man? I'm young doesn't. enough still to stay on the road. Absolutely. You know? Here's to the next thirty years. Congratulations on the album. Get it, folks. Time of my life. Celebrating thirty years. Dominic Caron. He's in Carrick Macross at the weekend, and lots more coming. Besides, we're going to finish out with another one from the album. It's only two o'clock, Dominic. But ah, uh, but sure, it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Great to meet you. And thanks for talking to you, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Thank you. The sun is hot and that old clock is moving slow. And so am I. The workday passes like molasses in wintertime. But it's July. I'm getting paid by the hour and older by the minute. My boss just pushed me over the limit. I'd like to call him something, but I think I'll just call it a day. Oh, be 
something tall and strong Make it a hurricane before I go insane It's only half past twelve, but I don't care It's five o'clock somewhere Tomorrow morning I know there'll be hell to pay Hey, but that's alright I ain't had a day off now in over a year My Jamaican vacation's gonna start right here If the phone's for me, you can tell them I just sail away It's five o'clock somewhere I could pay off my tab Pour myself in a cab And be back to work before two But at a moment like this I can't help but wonder What would my buddies do? They'd say, Pour me something tall and strong Make it a hurricane before I go insane It's only half past twelve But I don't care Pour me something tall and strong Make it a hurricane before I go insane It's only half past twelve It's five o'clock lunch with Blackstone Motors. Don't miss out on amazing 192 early bird offers at Blackstone Motors today for exclusive 192 offers on all things Renault and Dacia and the full Renault commercial van range. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda. Fantastic reaction to uh, Dominic Kerwin. Hi, Jerry. Pauline here from RD. Ray and myself are only home from Robert Mizell in Spain. Uh, we saw Barry Kerwin, and I have to say he was fantastic. He had the place hopping. Dominic must be so proud of him. He's a lovely young fella. Thanks indeed for that. Betty Walsh was on from Drew Conrad saying she's loving listening to Dominic. And Jimmy from North Mead says, I'm learning that lovely song, Time of Your Life. Best wishes to you, Dominic. And so on and so on they go. Now it's time for one of our regular on late lunch and popular she is I can tell you yes because she's here to answer your questions about your pets I'm delighted to welcome back to late lunch Sinead Kelly Sinead you're very welcome nice to be back. thank, thank you. you very much for joining us on the show today let's get straight to it and look at we have questions coming to us for Sinead keep them coming if you have a question here's your opportunity 086 1800 658 by whatsapp or text now or you can call in on 1850 715 958 I have a miniature schnauzer 
10 months old that wakes up in the morning at 5.30, eats everything in sight, shoes, glasses, clothes, anything in its way. Sinead, what can I do, please? Okay, well, the answer, unfortunately, is that you need to have your puppy confined at night. A lot of people get a, what's called the puppy crate or it's like a collapsible cage and it's just a safe place if you put the dog's bed in it, a water bowl in it and some puppy pads for if they get caught short in it. It's just a safe location that the puppy can be during the night and so it means that the puppy can't have access to all the things it's chewing. Puppies chew things. That's just a fact of puppy life and that's what they'll do. And so the puppy will wake up early, be bored because no one's awake and it'll chew whatever it finds. So the only solution to that really is that you need to have the puppy confined to a safe space so go go to one of the big pet stores and find a collapsible crate a puppy cage um, you know there's some very good models out there big enough for the bed and some water and, and a water bowl and that's your answer when the puppy is up and about and chewing things and you can see the puppy chewing things well then you can discourage the puppy from chewing and try and teach the puppy that chewing is bad behaviour but you can't do any of that when, when you're up in your bed trying to get some sleep and the puppy's downstairs so you need to confine the pup Do they go with the daylight I'm just thinking in a more general sense like ourselves you know these brighter mornings yeah, the longer definitely. days they'll wake up with they the daylight they rise earlier they'll wake up yeah. with the daylight definitely. Okay. so that's a fact at so this time of the year you just need to do your damage limitation really to be honest uh, and those cages it, it, it's people say oh maybe it's a little cruel to put them in a well, cage well no because you're putting the puppy in it at night time or another good time to put them in is if you're leaving the house and going out on your own maybe for a couple of hours shopping or things like that it's just to limit the damage the pup can do so I mean obviously I wouldn't approve of the dog being in that all day or anything like that but night time is a good time for that and, and that's a good idea that will sort you out later and go to it, do it, take Sinead's advice. Now here's another one and this is an old chestnut. My dog is white, two-year-old, doesn't say the breed. No matter how much I brush him, there's hair everywhere. It even sticks on our clothes. Sinead, please help us. That's a plea to you there. I know, I wish I could help you. Cleo moats like mad as well and the hairs get everywhere. I'm afraid there is no solution to that problem. You could do what you're doing which is brush a lot. There's a very good brush brushing tool called a ferminator which is very good at getting the loose hairs out but apart from that, nothing is going to stop your dog molting. I'm afraid. It's a fact of doggy life and there's nothing you can do so I'm afraid there is no solution. You just have to get these little lint rollers for cleaning your clothes, brush your dog regularly, get a ferminator, hoover a lot and deal with it. I'm afraid that's life for us dog owners and it's infuriating if you... Now, the next time you get a dog, there are a few dogs that don't molt. So, like, uh, poodles tend not to molt, uh, bichons don't molt, Maltese terriers don't molt. So there's a few breeds that do not molt, so you can go for something along that line. But I'm sure you don't want to get rid of your lovely dog, so I'm afraid you've just got to accept that fur all over the house is a matter of fact of life. So it's part and you parcel. can do... I mean, I, I mean, I'm hoovering every day and there's just fur coming out everywhere. And then they have a special molt. They have a big mould kind of spring early summer and again in the autumn and the hair goes like mad but I'm afraid if I was if I if I could develop a cure for molting I would be in the Bahamas right now I would not be sitting on LMFM <laughs> we'd never hear no, her again you'd never hear me or see me ever again I would be gone <laughs> she'd be gone yeah there you have it it is a fact of life I know it would messy as well the hairs torn up you can be as clean as you can be and I know it but they're there and that's just a fact of life and you have to live it now let's move on to a question uh, for the cat loving fraternity out there Sinead how will I know if my cat is in season what uh, uh, what age sorry does it start from and how long does it last I'm a new 
cat owner with a three-month-old. Okay, well, it could start quite soon. So it could start at about four months. So it starts between four and six months of age, so quite early. And the normal signs are um, sometimes people end up phoning the emergency vet because they actually think that the cat is in pain or has broken something. Because often what the cat starts doing is it starts calling. So it starts vocalising, a very strange kind of cry. It becomes very affectionate to the owner and starts rubbing itself against your legs, rubbing itself against chair legs, rubbing itself against the furniture. It starts behaving really strangely. So that's the, the main sign of it. It lasts for about a week um, and then they come in again. Unfortunately, they come in again every every three every three to four weeks. So that happens very, very frequently. So really the best bet is to go along to your vet and have a chat, uh, see what size the, ca- the cat is and is she big enough and old enough to get neutered. So definitely, I would say, go and get neutered. Definitely don't let your cat outside before you neuter her because she'll come back pregnant if you don't. That is very frequent for very frequent, a, yeah. a and cat as coming say, in heat, isn't cats it? Cats are incredibly fertile. They get pregnant very, very easily. Their life cycle or their reproductive cycle is such that they can breed huge, huge numbers of kittens in their lifetime. So I wouldn't delay. I would make an appointment with your vet to go along and just say you want to chat about arranging, about booking in to get neutered and do not let the cat outside until neutering because they can come into season from the age of four months. We've obviously prompted a few feline followers to get in touch with us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Listen to this one. Just listening to your chat there about the cat, Jerry. I have a 10-year-old. How long can they live for? How old has Sinead seen a cat live to? Right. I mean, I have seen cats as old as 17, 18, 19. Really? But that would be rare. I would say your average age for your cat is between about 12 and 14. So they, they live longer than our canine friends. But I mean, you know, you'd start calling them geriatric from about the age of 10. But 12 to 14, that, that's a good age is for a cat. It, yeah, yeah. So and then you'll always get the outliers. So you do get ones that the owners are adamant that the cat is nearly 20. I've had people saying they've got a 20 or 21 year old cat. So, I mean, they can live a long time. But I mean, I think more the, the more usual thing would be kind of 12 to 14. Okay. Okay, Uh, short and sweet this one. Sinead, can you give a puppy a bone? It depends what kind of bone. So again, if you've got like a big, the big marrow bone, the big knuckle bone that cannot be chewed or ground down to smaller pieces, yes, you could do. But definitely stay away from anything like the smaller bones, like rib bones or chicken bones or any bones that could splinter. So really only something like a really big ham, marrow, knuckle bone uh, that, that, that the puppy can't break down. Because otherwise, I've said it many times, the splinters and fragments of bone will cause obstruction in the gastrointestinal tract and will cause lots and lots of problems. And you'll need surgery to remove them so definitely stay away from those kind of bones okay so bone with plenty of uh, strength there that it doesn't break up because if you do get a blockage you're in trouble oh, well aren't you? you're yeah, going to yeah. have to have probably intestinal surgery and yeah. apart from being very in- uncomfortable and, and traumatic for the puppy or for the dog it's also going to cost you an awful lot of money hopefully you'll have had your pet insured uh, that's something that I advise everybody to do when they get their first puppy or their new puppy or kitten is to go and get pet insurance from the moment you have the puppy or the kitten uh, is a bee or a wasp sting serious for a dog or a cat? Um, th- no, they're quite frequent and most common thing that they cause, they, they cause a local allergic reaction. So often people phone up and the dog maybe will have a bit of a swollen muzzle or swollen eye or swollen face. And normally that'll resolve, sometimes it resolves on its own accord. Sometimes they need to come to the vet for anti-inflammatory and, and, and antihistamine. Occasionally if they get stung in the mouth or in the throat, that can cause breathing problems. So that can cause a problem. So again, if you notice a sting in that area, then probably pop along 
down to your vet. And occasionally, in very rare cases, a wasp or a bee sting can cause acute anaphylaxis. So that acute life-threatening reaction that, say, you'll have heard people have if they are allergic to peanuts. Um, and so they, they can, they'll have circulatory collapse. They'll have very pale mucous membranes. They'll be collapsed and that'll be a case of going to the vet. But on the, the re- you know, your regular average incident will be something quite mild and quite minor. But probably you'll still need to seek veterinary attention for that. OK, thanks, Sinead. Jerry, a Cavalier King Charles, 12 years of age. Will she ever stop coming into heat? She's never had pups and is not neutered. Oh, my Lord, you should get that dog neutered very quickly. Even okay. at that age? Yes. The biggest problem is, uh, when as for, as for how long they'll carry on having seasons, they can carry on having seasons until 12, 13, 14, although they'll often be less frequent. But the big issue that you have with an unneutered female dog, they're at risk of a condition called a pyometra or a womb infection. So basically, um, it's a life-threatening infection whereby the womb fills up with pus um, and the dog becomes very, very badly uh, affected with, with toxins um, and they can die. So go and have a chat with your vet about having the dog neutered. It's never too late to get the dog neutered. Much better, much better to get a, a healthy dog neutered, much safer for it, rather than to have to neuter the dog when she has a womb infection, because that's what will happen. Um, and the, the problem with the dog is their, their reproductive cycle is a six month cycle and they have about a five month period whereby the hormone progesterone is in charge of the cycle. And that's what predisposes to infection. So definitely pick the phone up, make the appointment today to to get an appointment for getting neutered. Great advice from Sinead there for Late Lunch listener. Here's another one that has just come to us on 086-1800-658. I have a four and a half year old long-haired female German shepherd who keeps digging with her nose and the top of the nose keeps bleeding. What is the best thing to help it to heal? Well, first of all, I think you need to try and stop the digging. So I think you need to try and investigate why the dog is digging. Is the dog on its own a lot during the day? Um, if it's alone in the garden and digging continually, you may have to, again, look at, do you need to keep the dog inside um, or do you need to fence off the area where the dog is digging? Um, as for what's going to protect that area, it'll only really start to heal once the digging has stopped. So maybe have a chat with your vet. The dog may, may have might have picked up a localised kind of skin infection. So you might need some topical cream or you may need systemic treatment. So have a chat with the vet about treating the lesion on the nose um, and then have a look yourself as to why the dog is doing all that digging. Sinead, I think this next question is brilliant because I'd say a lot of people can empathise with the listener who sent it in. How do you stop other people's cats destroying your garden plants and using it as a toilet? People have to control their dogs, but cats seemingly are allowed roam free. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. There are very little you can do to control cats coming into your garden unless your neighbours are going to keep their cats in, which is probably unlikely. Um, there is a product. Um, there's one product called Get Off My Garden. Um, and I think you can get that either online or in the big kind of garden stores. Um, and you put it down on your favourite areas and it should deter the cats from using it as a toilet. So have a, have a look and, and see, can you find that? It's called Get Off My Garden. And it's just a, a chemical substance that just puts them off. It, it isn't harmful to the cats or anything like that. It just puts them off using, using it as a toilet. So have a go with that. Give it a go because obviously that person's annoyed by this. And you can understand, know. you know, oh, people... Absolutely. Love the yeah. gardens and the flowers and they yeah. come out and they see this damage done to it. So there's the, the one to go for in that instance. Now, why is my dog eating grass and throwing up nearly every day for more than a week now, Sinead? 
would a vet visit be advisable? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've, I've said before, grass is a natural emetic, which means it naturally makes them uh, feel nauseous and, and triggers them to vomit. A lot of dogs will do a kind of early morning, kind of pre-breakfast grass eat um, because they maybe feel a bit nauseous on an empty tummy. But if your dog is actually eating grass to the extent that he's actually vomiting, then I think you need to go to the vet because obviously your dog is feeling nauseous or sick. So there could be underlying problems. Um, there could be some GI upset, some infection, or there could be a foreign body or there could be, say, liver liver issues or kidney issues. So I wouldn't ignore that. That needs to be checked out by the vet. But if they're just grazing at it from time to time, I see Messi yeah, and that time Yeah, if they're just doing it the odd the time, yeah. No, no, that's absolutely fine. Cleo does that quite a lot of the time. Often it's that kind of sicky feeling on an empty tummy that they have first thing in the morning. But if they're actually eating grass to the, to the degree that it's actually triggering vomiting on a regular basis, then that should be investigated. Like that instance yeah, there. Okay, to the, to the vet, please, and get that sorted out. Our cat stinks. Can we wash her? That's one of the shortest messages I've ever got. Washing cats? Uh, You can wash a cat. It's not easy. Um, I probably, unless your cat is very placid and docile, I wouldn't advise you doing it yourselves. What I would do is have a chat with your vet um, and see if they would be happy. Often um, the nursing staff would be able to wash the cat and if necessary they could give some sedation to avoid stress or uh, you know panic or anything like that. So have a chat with the vet first of all, unless your cat is very placid, in which case you certainly can wash the cat yourself if the cat is nice and placid. I would have probably at least two people to do it, plenty of towels available um, and a very, very mild shampoo that you get from your vet or from the, the pet store that's suitable for cats. Um, but as I say, I wouldn't try it yourself unless the cat is very placid. So your mes- best bet may be to chat to your vet and maybe they can arrange a shampoo under sedation. Here's another one for you. My Persian cat uh, all of a sudden has developed a limp in his front left paw. Not sure if it had anything to do with me clipping his nails as I normally do. I examined the paw. It looks okay, but should I be worried? Um, you need to get it investigated. It depends how lame the, the cat is. We normally grade lameness out of five, so with one being very slightly lame and five out of five being non-weight-bearing lame. So um, if the cat is lame and it's improving, then you could probably leave it. But if the lameness is staying the same or worsening, then you need to get it investigated. They can do simple things like pull a muscle or they can get something like a cat bite abscess where they get um, infection entering after a... F- it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Right, with another cat. So it needs to be investigated. It's not abnormal. And then just as a little aside, I've suddenly, my brain is still thinking about why the people are washing the cat in the in the conversation before last. So um, as far as shampooing cats, I wouldn't go and shampoo or wash a cat on a whim. So if the cat is smelly, why is the cat smelly? Has it just rolled in something? Or is there some smell coming from the cat's mouth or the cat's bum or something like that? So again, maybe get that investigated. I wouldn't normally... In- advise washing cats just because they're a bit dirty okay. you know? so okay. have a think about that clarification on that one there uh, how much exercise does a dog need Sinead we have a large garden and he chases about there most days he's a three year old King Charles Spaniel I would say most dogs it does vary with breed but most dogs could do with at least two to three kind of 20 to 30 minute runs off the lead every day now if you can't manage that if you can only manage one hour long walk then that's fantastic um, but on the whole you know even if you can do a couple of 20 to 30 minute bursts. Um, little dogs like Cavaliers will need a little bit less than say big dogs. If you have a German Shepherd or a Labrador, you know, they're going to need more exercise than others. Um, a Greyhound something like that is going to need quite a bit more exercise than other breeds. Although people often mm. say the rescuers of Greyhounds often say that actually they get by with very little. Um, but I still think most dogs, apart from the running around, they need that just interest and enthusiasm going outside of their own environment and the smells and the sights and the sounds that's what dogs are traditionally scavengers they're foragers so their whole their whole ethos is to go looking for things and searching and that's what they like doing so it's just getting out of the garden and going and doing little walks and investigating and things like that so I would I would go for that You could imagine being confined for hours on end to the one place and that's what leads to so many behavioural issues is dogs just get really bored whereas if you manage to give them enough exercise they get tired out and they'll tend to sleep in between Mm, great. Uh, another one uh, on the cat front. Our Tomcat's been missing for 10 days now. It's his longest ever absence. I take it from that that he has gone AWOL before. Is there any chance at this stage he'll come home? I mean, hopefully there is still a chance. I've seen and heard of cats coming back after that time period and longer I mean the one thing you're hoping for has the cat gone to live with another family for a short period and is he going to come back quite the thing just having had a little bit of B&B somewhere else sometimes they do that has the cat been locked in someone's shed or garage and maybe he's going to get out when somebody goes and opens that up or is the cat lying somewhere sick poorly you know under the hedge something like that so make sure you do a good old search yourself in the local area as much as you can put signs up in the local vets uh, up in the local shops things like that and hopefully he will turn up we have a nine-year-old Labrador and he's getting, becoming increasingly, shall I say, boisterous. It's hard to take him out for a walk because he pulls you all the way. I know Sinead, Jerry, in the past has spoken about this, but we're in the situation now, I understand. What can you do to stop a dog pulling so hard on the lead when you go walking? Yeah, I mean, probably the best thing to do is um, invest in a good harness. So go and have a chat with the staff at the pet shops, in the, in the bigger pet, pet stores. Um, there are harnesses that are specifically non-pull, so they're designed to reduce the amount that the dog will pull so invest in one like that and also invest in some dog training classes so have a look there's a website called dogtrainingireland.ie and that'll give you dog training classes in your area and you will then be taught by a trainer how to teach your dog to walk to heel and to walk better so those two pieces of activity one you can do yourself go and get a good harness and number two go and and find out about getting some training lessons and they're never too old to learn so you can you can teach them so it's never too late to teach an old dog new, new tricks. tricks. Remember not. that one. Yeah. Final question for Sinead this afternoon, and it's about food. Hi, Jerry. I feed my dog cans of food, but I had a visit the other day from a friend who's well au fait with keeping dogs, and she said to me that I should convert to dried food, that the canned food is not the best. 
Now I'm all upset. I don't know what to do. Can she need advice? Right, it's not that the canned food is not the best. What I suspect is you're paying an awful lot more for your dog food than people on dry food are because canned food it works out as much more expensive. Now, again, canned food's like everything. Uh, you pay, you get what you pay for. So if you're, you know, if you're buying a decent quality, you know, like pedigree or Waltham food, um, it probably is good quality, but you're probably A, spending more money than you should be and B, the, the big downside of tin food is that it's very soft and so you don't get that kind of beneficial effect on the teeth that dry t- dry food gives you. So on the, on the whole, dry food tends to be better in that it's more economic and that it has effect kind of cleaning the teeth. So that's something to think about. Um, if your dog is a good weight, a good healthy weight, doesn't have any uh, diarrhoea or problems like that, then you could probably keep him on the, the, the tinned food as long as the teeth aren't affected. The other problem about tinned food is there's an awful lot of water and kind of extra fibre in it. So sometimes it leads to very sloppy poos. So sometimes that's not great fun to, to pick up. But I mean, if you're happy with it, there's no reason why you can't continue. Okay, don't be so concerned. Good advice there. I just squeeze one more in because it's just come to us. I have a seven-year-old cockapoo. He has occasionally had seizures where his body shakes all over. Our vet says it's sunstroke, but couldn't be fully sure. His eyes don't roll, but the shaking from head to toe is incredible. Okay, it sounds like some kind of seizure activity, either what we call um, part or localised seizures or generalised seizures where they lose consciousness and paddle and uh, things like that. Um, I, w- I would imagine that if you've been to your own vet, they've done a few blood tests. The thing we always do with dogs that present with seizures, because there are two main causes of seizures, causes within the brain that we call extra- intracranial causes and causes out with the brain that we call extracranial. And the extracranial causes are problems, say, with liver or kidneys or blood sugar or the different electrolytes or metabolism. So you can normally rule those out with bloods. If you've ruled those out, then you're looking at is there a primary intracranial cause? So yes, I mean, I, I find it funny to imagine that the dog is perpetually getting heat stroke. So that sounds a little bit unusual. Um, but again, if you're having perpetual or, or continual seizures and you've ruled out the, the causes outside the brain, it may be your dog has developed idiopathic epilepsy or it may be that there's something going on in the brain that, that needs maybe an MRI scan to, to investigate a little bit further. Okay, more action to be taken there. Back to your vet and uh, further investigation. Sinead, brilliant. Thank you so much for taking all those questions. And thanks to all our listeners who sent them in to us this afternoon. We really do appreciate it. We'll see you in the month of June. Absolutely, you're very welcome. Thanks a million. Drahana Gardi are looking to reunite somebody out there with a ring. Uh, The engraving on it, they've been in touch to say, is Eddie and Peggy 1933. God, that goes back, doesn't it? Eddie and Peggy 1933, an engraving on a ring. Does it ring a bell when anybody out there? Drahana Gardi have the ring and they'd love to reunite whoever you are with that ring. So we leave it with you. Now, Listen to this, and I didn't realise that so many people were affected. There are hundreds of people in Louth and Mead living with multiple sclerosis. And each day they face many challenges. Challenges that often people like me and others who don't understand the condition, they come up against. And ahead of World MS Day on May the 30th, and a big event, the Loud Branch, are happening on Saturday the 1st of June. We're going to talk now to the next wa- for the next while to Sorka Boyle, who's the PRO of the Loud Branch of MS, and Joe Riley their chairperson. I want to welcome you both to the show. Great to see you. Thank you for joining me. So, if I could start with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you get your diagnosis? I was diagnosed five years ago in April of 2014. I was diagnosed. Did it by... come as a shock or did you suspect there was something up? No, I kind of had an onset of symptoms from about a year before that and went to the doctor and eventually fundamentally saw a neurologist who did diagnose me with MS. So my diagnosis didn't take that long in the grand scheme of things. It took about a year. Were you shocked? 
I was relieved. I wasn't shocked, really. I kind of knew. I kind of knew that something was up and I thought, well, nothing else made any sense. MS was the only thing that made any sense to me in terms of all the symptoms I was having. So I was just relieved that someone said, this is what's wrong with you, instead of me kind of thinking I was imagining things. Yes, what is this? Mm -hmm. In that time since your diagnosis, has your health deteriorated? Yeah, so I have the relapsing, remitting MS. So there's different types of MS. I have the most common type of MS where you have attacks or relapses. Um, I've just been unlucky that my MS in particular has been very aggressive and very active. And I would have spent a long time in hospital and was in a wheelchair for quite a while and had to have biopsies taken of my brain. But my story is quite extreme. But... The thing about relapse and MS is that you have an ability to come and bounce back to a baseline level and live more or less a normal life with MS as long as you're on the right medication and you have all the right therapies and treatments available to you as well. So, mm. so that's all have been huge, uh, been of huge assistance to you. Massive, all yeah. of that mm-hmm. to help you along. Mm-hmm. But it it is life limiting, restricting, isn't it? Restricting. I mean, you know, of, of what you can do, or is it, or can you do everything you want? I the one thing I can't do is I can't run. I can't run anymore. I when I was a teenager, I used to do cross-country a lot, but I can't run because I have a foot drop and my coordination isn't 100% great. So for safety reasons, I don't run, but I probably could, but I kind of have a fear of falling down. But generally speaking, I can drive, I can walk up and down stairs. I'm, I'm okay. absolutely normal life otherwise. Yeah, but without your medication and all that goes with that, life would be totally different. I'd be in a wheelchair for okay. sure. So there's been huge mm-hmm. advances on that. Massive. side of things yes. to help people who have a diagnosis. Absolutely. Let me talk to your chairperson. Joe Riley is here, chair of the Allowed Branch of MS Ireland. Joe, what's your story? How long are you living with MS? Well, um, I was diagnosed in uh, 2012, but in hindsight, I've maybe 30 years ago, I had when I looked back, it was probably a relapse, but it wasn't being diagnosed. Hmm. I went through all the, all the hospital things for about a year, two years before I was diagnosed. I was in seeing doctors, hospitals, couldn't find anything wrong with me. I was supposed to, according to my GP, I was perfectly healthy, but there was something wrong. Couldn't find it. So eventually, I did, when I did go, they did find out, sent me to a neurologist who diagnosed me in 2012 but there was nothing really serious no the relapses were that bad day it seemed like mm. you know we wake mm. up in the morning right, yeah. today's an off day mm. but that was probably a relapse because mm. there was that many lesions when they did find uh, that I had MS there was that many lesions on my spine and my brain that obviously these are ones I never realised they had but you just there. you just battered on. I just battered on, even though I had them. I, it was a bad day. I got up and carried on. And mm. so you obviously feel you had this before you got the diagnosis as well. Yeah. Do you know the way Sorka said there? Relief at diagnosis. What yeah. was your feeling? Oh, definitely relief because as well. I knew something was wrong, but not knowing what it was, everything goes through your mind. Mm. You and think the, the worst. worst? The worst is right. You think the worst things possible, but. When you are di- when I was diagnosed, then it was a relief. Mm. At least I knew what was wrong. Mm. I could deal with it. How has it affected you in the interim from diagnosis to today? H- have you, you know, felt the effects of this big time physically, mentally? Uh, 
from diagnosis to the day, not that big of a difference. Okay. Because physically, I was nearly at this stage before I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. I could, uh, my walking was affected. I couldn't, uh, I, when I walked in a wholesaler strike, I was on my feet the whole time. And going, I couldn't do that even at, the, at that stage. I was get uh, fatigue was setting in. I couldn't stand for too long. I'd have to sit down. This was all before I was diagnosed. So at this stage, when I was diagnosed to till now, it hasn't really increased that much. Mm. Are you still working? No, I I give that up. Did you give up when you got the diagnosis? Uh, or did you work on for a while? I worked on for a while. And, and while. I'm interested in this. How did you fare out with your employers and your work? Did they take into account that you needed, you know, uh, some leeway? Uh, yes and no, I suppose, would be the answer there. Because the work involved being on your feet all the time, and physic- physical work was a lot involved in it, it was hard was hard to do it, but like they couldn't really adjust to that their, the system. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to accommodate Some jobs it. just can't accommodate. Is that what yes. you're saying to me? Yes, Others exactly. possibly could. What about the work uh, with yourself, Circa? So I, when I was diagnosed, I was working as a midwife. I had just qualified as a midwife and I worked in Drogheda. But just the midwifery, it's one of those things, my MS and midwifery they don't match and I did try to go back to work and it just too physically hard just Mm. and like long days on your feet like Joe was saying Mm. needing to sit down a lot having that fatigue out there all the time so I did I have retired since April but it just means I'm retired from that particular job so I'm you know I'm very much not you know you're in the market for oh yes absolutely but you know after putting those years in and obviously to be a midwife you have Mm -hmm. a great passion for what you wanted to do that must have been a challenge for you was it to say here I am and I have to stop what I love yeah but at the same time you kind of also like part of your midwifery training is about being a safe and competent practitioner and I just like it was kind of it came to the point where not that I wasn't safe or anything but it was just everything was taking me longer than it should physically cognitively everything was just taking me that bit longer and I didn't want to I felt like I'm just going to be a burden on my workmates because I'm very team orientated so I made a decision you know what Mm. walk away but mm. like I mean, like it's not like we were saying that earlier, mm. me and Joe. It's not the end of the world. Not at all. It just means that chapter's closed, and yes. now we start a new chapter. Going to open yeah. another page on the Absolutely. book. Absolutely. Um, you're a young woman as well. Yeah, I'm thirty-eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a young one. You yes. know, you have lots, lots of time ahead of you. Mm-hmm. When you think about what you both have been diagnosed with, and many others besides, how do you feel society views people with MS? Well, I would say that people generally they don't really understand MS they don't have a full grasp of what no, the implications are from person to person and it's so variant I mean Joe is very different to me our MSs are very different mm. but it's one umbrella term but we're very very different within that and I think because it's so different from person to person it's hard for people to go you have MS so X, Y and Z is what's wrong with you because there's so many different symptoms and it affects so many people so differently what do you think yeah. Joe? Oh yes yeah. uh, totally because uh, people often say to you right uh, oh God help you God love you God love you. you know what I mean it's not a matter of right, it's, it's nothing it's not, it's not terminal no you don't die from MS you die from like everyone else Old something age. else take, take, take you one stage or another yes but like uh, MS is, is something you live with you have to live with it so 
the best thing is to adjust your life accordingly and live with it. Do you ever think about, you know, down the road? Because this does it progress to a point and no more do the drugs and treatment now hold it? So, the right, so my... Like I say, it's very different for me and Joe because I am still relapsing, remitting and the medication I've had has essentially stopped it in its tracks. I'm not having such severe relapses. I had a relapse in November, I had one in February, but they weren't as severe as the ones before my medication. And I'm very lucky that I have relapsing MS because people who have progressive MS, there are not really any medications for them. Do you know that kind of way? You would just take medications for symptoms, but not to actually treat the underlying disease. So I could very well never go into the progressive stage. I could be relapsing for the rest of my life, potentially. I am on uh, um, secondary progressive. What they mm. said to me, I'm on no medication. There's nothing whatsoever given me, but I feel grand much the same as I was like the last couple of years you know so it, it's not there can be there is another stage uh, primary progressive mm-hmm. which is supposed which is the the worst really type, worst yes. type mm-hmm. you know and the rarest type and the rarest yeah but like, it, it, it could be well my impression is it could be a hell of a lot worse it could always be worse always could be a lot mm. worse you have a great outlook both of you I have to say you do. Well, you have to you have to have it. Mm. You know what I mean? You're living living with these things. But like as you were saying there, like people's attitude people it's to educate them really mm. towards what it is what it's about. People are not are normal. Like uh, you see much people uh, people in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. People talk over them to whoever's behind. They don't talk to the person in the wheelchair. Mm. And that's one of the most annoying things, yeah. I'm yeah. sure, for yeah. anybody finding themselves in that situation. We, we were chatting before this interview even began, and I was saying to you, you know, about the hundreds of people who live in Louth and hundreds in Meath as well who uh, uh, have been diagnosed and live with MS that you know about. You were saying to me, Soccer, that th- there's probably more. Oh, I know there are more, definitely. I mean, when I was in hospital, I would have met somebody from Louth who, my age, has MS and just doesn't want to engage and is kind of she was very much it was her battle but I remember saying to her oh you should join the branch and she just didn't want to but at the same time I explained to her you know we've had such positive outlooks from going and joining the branch you know what difference has it made to you my outlook is so positive and I think that if I hadn't met other people and got engaged with these people that I would be so negative because I can see all these other people who I always say you know they're they all have the same thing that I have, but they're just getting on with it. So I'm going to get on with it too type of thing. And just to be able to talk to other people with MS, because like I was saying to you, nobody in my family has MS. So, Joe, for you as well, yes. has this, like you are chair now and you are officers, you're PRO as well mm-hmm. of the group. How soon after you got your diagnose, diagnosis did you engage with the Loud Branch? Um, I suppose, well, you have to go through MS Ireland mm. and I seen them on uh, their site and they put my name down on them and next thing they got in touch with me the north east region who led branches under mm. and uh, from there on they went to a few meetings and that and uh, uh, newly diagnosed day and all this and met met up with a few of the people and that's where I got involved with them so and for you because it, it a is big very, positive a big positive for, for big you positive yeah because you, as Sorka says, you meet a lot of uh, people of a sim- in a similar situation, and under- understand what you're going through, know where you're coming from, and we're, we're all from different walks of life, 
there's no doubt about that, you know, there's no barrier as to who gets MS. It just happens right across right across the board. So um I found it very 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 good indeed. And it is uplifting in the sense that you can go and talk mm. about it. How often do you get together? What is there? A, is it written in stone, or is it a, a fluid situation? Well, we'd have a, we might have a meeting once a month, and we'd also have a coffee evening once or twice a month. You know, so regularly enough. Mm. You know, but if you join up, you don't have to go to all those. You no, can pick and choose. absolutely no. not. No, and I mean, there's some people who will only go to like the our AGM. They'll come to that, but they yes. don't necessarily yeah. engage all the time. And then there's people like me and Joe who kind of go to nearly everything, mm. don't we, Joe? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But and again, it's not like. You're dependent. You have to go to X, Y, Z. There's no pressure on anybody, and it's just a safe place for people to come and meet other people with MS. Because, like you know, it has been a huge reason as to why I'm so positive about my diet. We also have uh, yoga and mm-hmm. getting the balance right. There, uh, getting the balance right is a kind of a, a, phys- a physical exercise type of thing for people with MS, mm-hmm. and these are they're trained people in the no understand MS that they're they're the ones that's. Uh, doing these classes and we as as the group we are we sponsor this mm-hmm. as such you yes. know. so that's another little add-on and, and a very good thing as well now the day is the 30th which is Thursday of this week it's mm-hmm. the World Day on Thursday yeah. World yes. Day yes. so that highlights it right across, across the, the globe world. and then on the 1st of June which is Saturday you're doing something uh, special at the Monastery Boys Inn Yes, so we are having a vintage car show in the Monaster Boys Inn in Donegans on the 1st of June from 9am till about 1pm. We're going to be having coffee, having chats, just talking to people about MS. It's not fundraising necessarily, it's just about raising awareness and it's just a nice day for everybody. And we like to do it in and around the time of World MS Day. And, you know, World MS Day is on a Thursday, so we've just put it on the Saturday. But there will be a raffle. Kids are welcome for face painting. We had a very good turnout last year, didn't yes. we, Joe? Mm, yeah. yeah, we did. So yeah. there's uh, a coffee morning, there's a raffle, there's face painting, the vintage car show is on. And mm-hmm. you encourage everybody and their families, oh, anybody, yes. to anybody touched mm-hmm. by MS, to come along to the Monaster Boys Inn on Saturday. It's from 9am till yeah. 1 o'clock. So lovely morning. Yeah, and we, morning hopefully at- the weather is like it is today because it's beautiful today. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I, think it's, I think it's to be reasonable the yeah. weekend, yeah. yeah. And the reason we're having Saturday is Saturday would be more acceptable with yeah. people with children of and course. kids yes. and that. You of know, course, and it's the bank holiday weekend. Exactly, Saturday would be yeah. more accessible for mm-hmm. them. Mm. And we always we had this last year and we had a really great turnout, actually, yeah. didn't we, Joe? Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. So if you were there last year, come back again this year and bring more people with you. And Absolutely. if you've not been there, go along and check it out for the first time. And if you haven't made yourself known and you're living with MS in County Louth, mm-hmm. go to the Monaster Boys Inn. And they have the group in Mead as well. Remember, it's, yeah. we're talking yeah. to both counties yes. here as well. Yeah. Make contact with your local branch. Yeah. Yeah, so we have our, our local regional support worker, her name is Aoife Lamb, and she's an employee of MS Ireland, but she's fantastic, and she kind of coordinates Loud, Loud and Mead, and she looks yep. after people in Loud and Mead, and then mm. there's a new, is there Pauline, is Kevin Monaghan then, so, but we have a lot of different, you know, Aoife is relatively new in the job, but she's very, very good, and she's just great there to, for support and that, and she's very, very easy to talk to, isn't she, Joe? Yeah. Yes, she yeah. is, yeah. Okay, folks, we leave it there today. Thank you so much for dropping oh, in. Wish you, you well, and you're very, very inspired inspiring people let thank me say you. both of you you really are and good luck with uh, Saturday at the Monaster Boys in 9 to 1 everybody welcome but for the moment uh, Chairperson Joe Riley of the Loud Branch and PRO Sarka Boyle thank you for dropping into us on Late Lunch Thank you very thank much Thank you
Dominic Karen with us, top of the show, and he's appearing at the Carrick Macross Street Festival. Yes, it's one of the highlights of the festival calendar, and it's on this coming weekend, Friday through to Bank Holiday Monday. Action-packed, full of entertainment for adults and children alike. There's parades, uh, street entertainers, trad music, arts and crafts, a dog show, teddy bears, picnic, fun fair and great live music with a host of top-class bands. That's the Carrick Macross Street Festival all weekend from Friday through to Monday. And for more information, if you want to know where Dominic Caron is playing, check it out, carrickmacross.ie forward slash festival all the details are there and tomorrow there's a grand opening of pizza baker they're a very uh, well regarded uh, pizza chain in the world and they're opening on the Dano road in drogheda next to the thatch pub tomorrow and we'll be going there checking in with them on late lunch tomorrow afternoon and to celebrate pizza baker and drogheda have given us a great prize free pizza for a year for two lucky winners for a year i wonder louise could you order a pizza every day It'd be great, wouldn't it? What would you go for? Stuffed crust. <laughs> 365 pizzas. Did you get sick of it? Oh, yes, you would. Sure, I'm only having a laugh. Yes, you would. Of Depends course you'd get on the toppings. Oh, you'd still get sick of it. You couldn't eat pizza no. every day, could you? Yeah, well, we could try. Well, Pizza Baker would say you Might can be a good eat there. Oh, you can eat their pizzas every day. Anyway, a free pizza for a year. Check it out on our Facebook page. Terms and conditions, of course, apply there. And best you could have a you dare, Jerry one. Day. <laughs> dare you to eat pizza for a whole year? <laughs> Um, I'll mix and match. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Uh, let me tell them we have uh, how many? We have a number of CDs. Yes, Dominic Kerwin with us, top of the show. Time of my life, celebrating 30 years. There's a CD going to Rose Toomey. Yes, he's from Oma. Oma was the answer we were looking for. Rose Toomey, you have one. Also one for Anne uh, Erwin. She's in Rathaniel Cullen. Uh, over to Trim and Claire Kane. There's one for you as well. Beliver, Caroline Burke, and uh, back to Drogheda with Suzanne Carroll. You're all winners of the Dominic Kerwin. CD, we'll be in touch and we'll get it in the post to you. ASAP. What's going on in Scaries, Louise? Not sure, Jerry. There are reports coming in of tree cutting in the middle of Scaries. Oh, those lovely, lovely trees, trees up the centre of the big wide street. Yeah, St. Mary Church Street, is it? Yes. And, um, well, according to the reports, the problem is that they're breaking up the pavement. So we've had a few uh, photos sent in showing stumps just left and. Uh, there are a few protesters, I believe, up oh. there trying to stop them. So if anybody can clarify yeah, anyone from the Scaries area, that. Are you what's listening going in Scaries on? this afternoon? What's happening in your beautiful town with the trees due to come down? There's some people annoyed, obviously, about it. These are reports we're getting uh, unconfirmed at the moment. But if there's something happening there, please do give us a shout. 1850-715-958 is the phone number. 086-1800-658. Just one back to the uh, feature with Sinead Kelly and a listener. Very interesting. Jerry a simple tip if you're walking a strong pulling dog if you're right handed hold the end of the lead with your left hand keep the dog on your right and hold the lead against your right hand using your body strength to control the dog if you're left handed obviously the opposite applies I walked greyhounds for years and could always control them this way I see people walking dogs one handed they have no control no hope and they're risking theirs and the dog's life thanks indeed for that did you? yeah I just fell sideways did you? Yeah, when well, you tried doing that, well, now, Louise, oh, come on. It's a bit me. about the technique there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Well, Louise, we've printed that out, and Louise is going to study <laughs> that and go and put it into. But with her dog, I don't know whether her. Oh, the Mr. Mr. Universe would be able to lead her dog. I'm not sure. What, is that the case, Louise? Is he just walks? He just walks me. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, remember, I remember I remember, remember years ago when we had Jack the first Labrador uh, Miriam took decided one night to take her out in our wisdom it was a wet night in uh, late autumn winter time of the year and there's a green at Brookville where near we live and didn't he take off and she had white trousers <laughs> and a bright coat on <laughs> you'd want to have seen her she was muck from head to toe came back in bits that was the first and last walk for Jack I have to tell you I'd love to know what washing powder she used to get them clean again <laughs> oh, I'm not sure anyway I'd met them all went in the bin I can't <laughs> confirm or deny I'll have to check that one out later anyways on late lunch a story that we introduced you to here in the show back in 2010 if you've been following late lunch uh, you'll remember this one a lady called Julie Dello was searching for the true identity of her husband Lynn Dello and Jim Curley the genealogist was involved with us from Dundalk well she's now written the book One Man Two Lives One Woman My Man's Secret a true story and we're going to catch up with Julie after the break somebody saying Jerry, you owe your wife an outfit after telling that story about her I probably do and I'll probably be uh, pinned He's down on that outfits, one I'd say <laughs> Anyways, let's move on on the show. Yes, 2010, we introduced you to uh, the story of Lynn Dello on Late Launch. And uh, we've been touching in and out uh, with the story over the years. And it came to a conclusion last year when Julie Dello paid a visit here to the studios, along with the wonderful genealogist, oh, he's a great man, Jim Curley. Uh, she said at that stage that she was thinking of writing a book about her story, and I have it in my hand. It's called My Man's Secret, and the lady herself is on the line, Julie Dello. Afternoon, Julie. Good afternoon, Terry. Thank you for taking my call. May I say to you first that it's not often I get a book in the post, and when I open the acknowledgements, there I am saying thank you uh, for your assistance. But of course, I mentioned Jim Curley. He's top of the list, and why shouldn't he be? Because you say you wouldn't have reached a conclusion without him. But I want to say to you, thank you for giving us the little mention. Oh, you're very welcome. It's only right. You, you, you started me off in that direction and, and introduced me to Jim, who's a is the main man, and he deserved to be at the top of the list. You know, I, I wanted you to have a book, and I wanted to acknowledge everyone that helped me along the way. You certainly um, have. And, and I'll tell you, I've, I've had the book a few days now, and I've read through it really quickly. And you know what? You've done a great job. I want to say that to you in, in telling your story. Listeners who followed us, Julie, will be familiar. You married a man called Lindello, who turned out not to be Lindello. When you found out, ultimately, after all these years of searching, and it went cold and it went hot, but Jim Carley never gave up, you didn't let it go either, and eventually you found out that this man's name was Leo McAvoy from Dundalk. How did you feel? Just come back to that moment again when you found out. Well, I've never felt any animosity towards him. I feel, I feel really quite sad for him that he had to lived with that secret and didn't feel that he could trust me with it. Um, you know, and, I, and I, that's, that's what I think. And he's in, you know, a, a grave mark to the name Lindello instead of, as he should be, Leo Bernard McAvoy, at the wrong age. And, you know, I think it's quite sad, really. Did that... I, you know, lots of people say to me, oh, I would have been really mad. He, he was lying all that time, you know. Mm. No, I don't feel... He, he, 
be more than compensated because he was a really good man and I wanted the world to know that he is—he was a good man. Mm. Despite the fact that he couldn't open up to you and, and uh, really reveal to you who he actually was because you were married, what, for 30 years? He, di- he died very young. He died in 1981 and he would have been, I think, I think I worked it out, he would have been 49. You know, I've got 46 mm. in his mm. grave. Um, mm. uh, because he said that he was born in 35 and he wasn't. He was born in 1932. Mm. No, I don't feel... I just feel that he'd let it go for so long that there wasn't an opportunity to... How could he say, you know, I mean, all those years? He must have felt... Lots of times when we've had photos taken and I've looked at him and I thought, I mean, he looked like a man with a secret. Mm. But the only thing is, Julie, maybe if you can put yourself in his shoes, maybe he feared that he might lose you and his son if he came clean, having kept this secret within for so long. That's right. That's what Simone says. We know why he kept the secret. It's because he he didn't dare let it out. And and, and he told it so many times he believed it himself in the end. Mm. Did he change his name? You know, the name Lindello, it's... It's a, a, a play on, on, on letters, I'm sure. Did, did he actually change his name legally to that? He changed his name, but after the event, I mean, we were married in, in um, 1961, and he actually started naturalisation procedure in 1967, I think I'm, I think I'm right in saying, off the top of my head. Mm. Well, that was when it was completed. It took about five years, but of course, they he had sent them on a fool's errand, telling them, this story about he was born on the high seas between Spain and Ireland mm. and um, he never knew who his real parents were and he was brought up by foster parents and uh, you know I mean they were on the falls there and they were on the hide into nothing so I mean they weren't going to find anything Yeah. and um, you know so that all came through obviously they couldn't find anything so he did change his name so um that was it and all about it but as I say originally I think because he'd done his national service in the RAF and he wanted to get back into the forces it was a means to an end that he changed his name he yeah. thought well I, I want to get back in the forces I can't present myself to the RAF they won't have me because mm. he had cartilage trouble in one of his knees mm. and um, so he tried the army and he walked into the office in Manchester and they didn't ask him for any proof, you know, like a birth certificate or anything like that. And, of course, he did his basic training in devisors, which was only a county or so away from me. And when he passed out, he came down to Bournemouth with a crowd of fellas for the day. And who did he meet but me? Well, it was too late. He couldn't say, I'm not really Lindello. I'm... Yes. <laughs> I've joined the army, but I'm... I was born in Durham. And, you know, I mean, when... and then... It sort of escalated, I suppose. Yeah. The the thing is, did you um, feel when you found out that, you know, his name was Leo Bernard McAvoy, did you ever consider changing his name in the place where he rests or even changing your name? No, because, I mean, the, the grave is marked with the name I knew him by and... So I don't really feel like that I should change it, really. Yes, 
yeah, that that never crossed your mind or or anything like that. W- when you did solve the mystery after all the years, and you, you found out who he was actually, and you hold, you've said to me already, you hold no grudge, no malice. You you accept that that's the situation. You have reconnected with his family over here. Oh, I have. Yes, I have. I'm I'm in touch with Simone very regularly. I spoke to her on Sunday. Um, yeah, so and and also her uncle Jerry who lives in Manchester, he was he knew um Lynn when he was a very little boy and he's in his 60s now. He works for the police in Manchester. And um he wondered what on earth happened to him because uh Leo was always at their house. He was um Jerry McAvoy was the youngest son of of the McAvoys. He mm. was Joseph's son as Leo was Michael's son. And he always wondered what on earth happened to him, because him and his brother, the last they saw of uh, Leo was 1959, when he sent him and his brother a little um, Indian outfit for Christmas, both of them. And that was the last they saw of him. Well, of course, he joined up, Lynn did, in 1960. Yeah. He was married in 61, in the April 1961. Mm. So, and... See, he's absolutely cock-a-hoop with the book. I sent him a copy. I'm sure he is, yes, I'm sure he is. What about your son, Chris? Oh, Chris is absolutely thrilled to pieces as well. He lives a, an absolute busy life because he works for himself, but um, I'm, he's looking forward to meeting the relatives in, in Dundalk, and I'm sure they'll all meet up. Mm. Jerry McAvoy wants to meet him as well. He follows him on Facebook, like you know. Keith. Yes find big laddies just like the McAvoy's yeah so it's it's lovely to connect with family I think everybody needs to belong you know mm. and you do now and Chris does and that's the great uh, conclusion of, of this wonderful adventure over a, a decade in the public eye but before that of course how many how many did you print of the book well I only I, I've only been getting them printed as I've needed them. Yes. Jim and I had a conversation yesterday, I think it was, because um, a bookshop in Dundalk is really wanting me to come over and and sell some, put put them out there, and it's just a question of how many do I get? Yeah. So you don't know. You know, I've only put... I've only bought and ordered as many as I was giving away. I understand. So you're you're not in the bestsellers charts just yet, Julie, but give it a little bit of time. That's what I say. But Jim's idea is right. I think, honestly, there is a a market for many more copies of this book in uh, Dundalk and in the North East as well. So it's something you you might consider with time and and be advised by Jim as well. He, He knows the story. But look, I just wanted to put in a short call to you today. We've talked many times over the years to say thank you for the acknowledgement well done on the book you should be proud of it and it's really a fitting end to a wonderful wonderful story thank you very 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 much you've been so kind not at all and we'll please god meet again when you're back over here i do hope so please god 
yourself, Jerry, and thank you very much indeed again. You're very welcome. Take care, Julie. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye for the moment. That's Julie Dello there. One man, two lives, one woman. My man's story. My man's secret. Uh, a true story, and it is a remarkably true story. And congratulations to her on the book. That's it on Late Lunch for this Tuesday afternoon. Thank you so much for your company over the last couple of hours. We'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday, to do it all again. Have a lovely evening. Eddie's coming next with The Drive. Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Don't miss out on amazing 192 early bird offers at Blackstone Motors today for exclusive 192 offers on all things Renault and Dacia and the full Renault commercial van range. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmac Cross Credit Union, where a student loan can help you finance your further education. Call to Cartmac Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street, or cartmaccrosscu.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.